Yes, sir. What's up on this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access? So glad to be with you. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. No mark tonight, but there will be a Drew Doherty sighting, actually not once, but twice, as he's going to join me in just a little bit for in the lab. And then, oh man, I'm excited about this one. Where are they now? One of my favorite players we've had come through this building. We had a lot, but one guy always had a smile, always had a joke. He would needle you a little bit. But he always had your back. Brian Peters was the first one oh. up. Linebacker, but really more of a special teams ace. He was a yeah. captain his final year here uh, with the Texans, which was 2018. But he spent five or four seasons with Houston, 2015 through 2018. So he was part of three division title winners. Um, he saw 17, you know, the rise and fall that year. So yeah. he was a good, good guy to talk with. He's doing interesting stuff now, John. I don't know how much of that you got to listen to, but late in his Texans career, got into breathing, the importance yes, of breathing. I remember this, yes. Cold tubs. He would hold yes. his breath underwater and stuff. Yeah. And you see it on, on Instagram, and you're like, what's this wacko doing? But there's a science, there's a method, there's a psychology to it. And he, he talked at length about it on our, our during our conversation yesterday. It's fascinating. He's helping out some pro sports teams, some college sports teams military special ops types so it's really really cool he's doing good stuff and in about a month or two he's going to do this it's called a ruck and it's where you have a 50 pound backpack oh yes i've heard of this he's gonna hike 50 miles around our nation's Uh capital uh it's all part of it's like helping out a a wounded veterans foundation and uh it's just great stuff but it was good it was good to connect with him i had fun talking with peters yesterday I can imagine that dude was one of the more interesting guys. I remember watching him at, at Northwestern and it was probably in the early 2010s and I'm watching him at Nebraska and dude's playing with two casts on his hands. And I'm like, who is this guy? And it's funny. I'm writing a, a defensive line article, a defensive line breakdown because things have changed significantly as we've noted many times on this uh, podcast. And one of the things that stood out with one of the guys, Kurt Heinisch, is a defensive lineman from Notre Dame. He always stood out to me because he wore the number 41. An interior defensive lineman wearing a, a skill position number <laughs> always catches my eye. Well, Brian Peters wore the number 10 at Northwestern, and that always caught my eye. It always, like, my eye always gravitated towards number 10 because it's not a number you normally see. Now, in college, any number is, you know, it's fair game. But just to see a number 10 on a linebacker always catches my eye. Uh, Henry Tortola from Alabama is the same way. He always catches my eye. He plays next He played next to Christian Harris last year. But that number 10 as a linebacker always caught my eye. Brian Peters is always that guy. But I remember playing with two casts, and he ended up having a pick. And he kind of had to – it was – the way he had to catch the ball was he kind of, like, caught it and cradled <laughs> it all at the same time because he, he had casts on his hands. He couldn't, he couldn't really catch the ball. But, man, what an athlete that guy was and what a story he was, all the different football leagues he played in before he got to the NFL, and then he found his role in the NFL. I wish he could have been here for a decade, man. That guy was really fun to be around. He was a great interview. He was always fun. He was really a team leader, um, especially on the special teams uh, part of it. He was just a really interesting kind of guy and intriguing guy to to pick his brain and talk to about different things. And he was always self-deprecating, which I I, I can always love. He's always – you know, talking about, oh, you know, if I can do it. Like, he was always a really interesting guy to talk to. So I can't wait to hear that full interview, Drew. Yeah, you know, 
when you get the tweets ready for to promote those, I was I was like, well, I need to find a Brian Peters photo, and I we have a cool database of photos here yeah. at the Texans, and you type his name in, and another thing he did, this guy was at every community event. It seems, I mean, he yeah. was. There's a picture of him with Santa Claus. There's a picture of him with little kids at the at Texas Children's. I mean, he was all over the place. I remember I did a, a fun event with him. At least I did many, but there was one where we we basically did a Q and A uh, at an elementary school. It was way north of town. It was it was in late November of eighteen. His last year here. I remember when we got we got out of that thing? It was snowing. It was kind of like spitting snow a little bit. It didn't <laughs> yeah. accumulate. And it didn't last. But it was just like whoa. But yeah, we had a had a fun time with that, and it was good good talking with him. And then on top of it, I interview him, and then like ten minutes later, I interviewed a guy, Tim Jameson. Oh yeah, is the cool. I think this is the cool uh, trivia question. If if you had to name the first rookie undrafted free agent from the two thousand nine rookie Texans class to get activated, who would it be? It's him. It's not Arian Foster. He got pulled yeah. up right before week five when the Texans went to play the Cardinals. And uh, the, it, it's a fun, he tells a fun story about how when they told him he was going to, you know, make the active roster, he thought he was going in to get cut because it was on a Tuesday and they called him in <laughs> at a weird yeah, time. Yeah. But just yeah. a good guy. He, he stuck around. He hung around five seasons, you know, played on the defensive line. He saw some good times, saw some bad times and saw the coaching change. It was good talking with him. And he's, he might be dipping his toes into the coaching water as well, John. Really good story. Well, he'd be he'd be a really solid and interesting coach, I think. Yeah, it's funny because Andre Ware used to refer to him as a cockroach. Like he just, you know, you, as Andre would say, you can't kill him, and meaning you can't get rid of a guy like that. You need yeah. to have a guy like that because he could play so many different spots up and down the line of scrimmage, and he made it through coaching changes and position coaching changes, which says a lot. It says a yes. lot. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, th th that that part in of itself, just to the coaching change or just a regime change, any of that, and to make it through that as difficult as it is, then to do it multiple times uh, as he did was was really impressive. And I always I always liked Jamison, just the guy, but on the football field too. Just somebody's got to do dirty work, man. Somebody has to do dirty work, no matter what it is. Take on multiple blocks, you know, you know, solo up on the center. Um, and make sure he doesn't get to linebacker, whereas the linebacker's getting a tackle, you know, Kush is getting a tackle, or D'Amico's getting a tackle, and it's like, well, yeah, the guy that really made the play was the guy doing the dirty work, and Jamison always felt like he was the master uh, of the dirty work and doing it and doing it really well, and that's so vital for a team, but it's never something that's going to get somebody's attention, fans' attention. Like, yeah, Kush got the tackle, but who really <laughs> made the play? Well, obviously, it's a guy like James made those plays for sure. And I'm going to talk with Steve McKinney a little later on today. So that'll be fun too. I can't wait to hear from him. He and Jameson have a pretty cool connection that you, you can hear in the Jameson interview, which will go up later, uh, maybe Monday or Tuesday. So look for that coming up soon. But anyways, John, the schedule came out and it's been covered every way to Sunday. We saw all the <laughs> funny videos from all the teams. We love the one our guys did guys and gals with the, it was a, the Disney channel stuff from the early 2000s um just a few things stood out to me about it a the buy is at a really really early time and i initially saw that and i was like gross because i like it when the buy is like <laughs> middle of the season but lovey smith made a pretty good point he said hey 
you play three games in the preseason, you play five more. So at that point you've played eight games. So it's almost like yep. a mid mid season buy. He's like, we'll take it. We'll always take a break whenever we, they'll give us one. So he was pretty even keeled ho-hum about it. You know, just, you got to do what you got to do and you got to play what you got to play and, and say what's, or play when you're scheduled to play. And so he's going to do that. But I saw that buy and I was just like, yeah, what, what was your reaction when you saw it? I don't like an early buy, but it's I actually I'm I think back the, the earliest that I could remember was 2017 and man we went into that buy in 2017 and we really didn't want to go into that buy because at that point we were watching uh, a rookie quarterback just slice up everybody and we're yeah. watching it we had not seen anything like that here in Houston and I think we're like whoa we don't want to slow down that momentum of course the first game after the buy was against Seattle and it was just it was one of the great, it was the greatest football game I think I've ever seen. It was incredible to watch that game, even though the Texans had lost that day, 41 37. It was just unbelievable. But then I thought about it, I was like, eh, you know what? It's not, it's not bad. It's not bad getting in week six. I'll tell you where I wouldn't want to have it. If you said, hey, you get your bye week in week six or your bye week in week 14, I'd be like, oh, I'll take week six. Yeah. Week 14, it feels like it's, uh, it's a, <laughs> It's drudgery, like, oh, my God. And I don't That's think we ever had way, one that yeah. late. But I remember watching uh, Hard Knocks this past year with the Indianapolis Colts. And that was a beaten up football team. I think that was one of a – that was an underreported story. You could tell on Hard Knocks how beat up that team was. Now, that doesn't excuse them from not winning one of two games, one at home against the Raiders and one on the road against the Jaguars to get to the playoffs. But – you could too see bad, they man. had multiple yeah i hate it they had like three <laughs> or four games right in a row that were just highly intense physical games and it culminated with that christmas night game against the cardinals where the colts had about a dozen players not playing in that game due to covid and wentz makes that throw near the end that wins the game on the road at arizona you think oh boy here come the colts and then they just cratered but they had the buy late. I remember them all talking about the game going into the buy, coming like their reaction in the locker room after winning wasn't so much, yay, we won. It was, oh my God, I made it to the buy because it was so late in the season. So week six, I can, I can, I can live with that. I think what stood out to me, Drew, there were a couple things. The month of December is wow. It's a bonanza of it's a bonanza of holy moly. That's a because you've got the Browns coming in. Who knows right. if he's going to play or not, but that's a big deal. Right. You got right. the Cowboys after that. That's your biggest yes. – that's the team our fans hate the most. I don't care what anyone yes. says about the Colts, the Titans, the Jags. Right. Yeah, you hate them. Texans hate fans the want the Cowboys more than right. anything. And then you you got the Chiefs. We know that – Right. You know the story there. I mean, you got yeah. one of the greatest players in the game, and you finish with your your division. I mean, it, that's that's a pretty – I mean, pretty big at Tennessee on Chris, Yeah, at Tennessee at Christmas – uh, each day like wow and right before you start that uh coming out of you know thanksgiving you go to miami now you played horribly at miami last year and the dolphins are a different team but so are the texans you played horribly at miami last year and you should come out of there with a win if you if you make one catch or make one throw at one point you win you win that game you know turn yeah. it over on the first drive you win that game but but you, you didn't now you got to go back there so you go at Miami, home Cleveland, at Dallas, home Kansas City, at Tennessee before you finish with the Jags and then at the Colts in week 18. That, of all the things, I look for bye week, then I look for 
I look for primetime game, which I like the Thursday night against Philadelphia. And the fact that it's at home, I like that. Yeah. Um, a few days after playing Tennessee at home. So you get a Sunday Tennessee game, and a Thursday. I like, I like that. Um, but that stretch, as I looked at everything else, the next thing that stood out to me was that stretch of, holy cow, December. Wow. The flip side of that is, as you look at it and you think, okay, there are teams, not saying that this is what it's been for the Texans, because the Texans have played some exciting games the last few years. But what a team isn't doing well, you look at December and go, oh, my God, let's just get through it. I don't think our fans are going to look at that stretch and go, Cleveland, Kansas City, and then, uh, well, Jacksonville's outside of that. But look at that month and go, wow, those are two of the most exciting games you could have back-to-back, Browns mm-hmm. and Cowboys. Then the Chiefs are right after that. Uh, and then, of course, a road, road trip to Tennessee where I don't think that game at Tennessee, it's, I mean, it's been a knockdown drag out for the last five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, dating back to 17, where you pull off a great fourth down and then you throw an interception with a minute left. In 2018, you can't go down and, and kick a field goal to, to score, but you're driving to do that at the end. 19, you get the win and got to hold them off at the end. In 20, it's one of the great games of that season, um, oh. even though they got to win in overtime. And then last year, you beat them in the rain up there with one of the great wins, if not the best win you had in 2021. So, up there, you just never know what's going to happen. And then, of course, in 2016, well, we all know what happened in 2016. Uh, in that last game that was in Week 17, it was uh, drama-filled, let's say. Tom um, Savage exited for Brock Osweiler again. Yeah, it was yeah. an explosive halftime. Um, so up there to end the month of December is pretty much apropos because those games have been just duels over the last five years. So – from that perspective, wow, man, we just shut the lights off, man. How about that? Our office is so smart. Timeout that uh, the lights go off after a little while. The so. lights go off after a while. There we go. That's fantastic, man. Just got to move. I'm just around. talking to Drew, and then all of a sudden the lights went out. Uh huh. For those of you listening and not watching, but anyhow, Drew, um, of that, here's the one question I have for you. Okay. This year it flips. Last year we had nine home games and eight road. This year we've got eight home but nine road but the road games that we have are i mean they're incredible trips there's never been there's never been uh the only thing close to this would be the year you got to go to london but there's never been you know a standard year where you're playing in the united states with the the best cities to visit you got new york you got chicago you've got miami uh you got dallas is fun i mean that's Las That's Vegas, a, Denver and Las Vegas. I mean, massive, massive, excellent, excellent trips to take. Just it, what a boy. If you're a Texans you, fan and you just want to travel, I mean, you're going to have which a Which one time. are you picking? That's the one I was going to ask you. Which if one? You got to pick I, one trip. Now, um, hopefully, hopefully you don't have to pick one, but if you had to pick one, if you're a traveling Texans fan, and I heard Sean and Seth talking about this, and they were talking about how the, the tickets for our game in Las Vegas are pretty obscene, but – if you can handle it money-wise, it's it's Vegas, and you've exactly. never seen a game in Vegas, more than likely. Is that the one you would pick? I think I would pick that one because I love Vegas. I love the city of New York, and I know you don't play there, but whenever we play, I go up and go into the city and have a, a, a phenomenal time. I love that one. Chicago, one of the great American cities, one of the great world cities. Yes, That's yes. awesome. I've, I've loved when we've gone there. Miami, you can go to the beach. You can have a good time. I mean, that's really, really cool. But Vegas would be the one because I haven't been to that stadium. I have 
you know, I've only been to Las Vegas once and it was for the NFL draft. So yeah, I'd like yeah. to check that out because I had fun at the draft, but would love to see a new stadium. I, I've not been to that one. I've not been to the Los Angeles SoFi and those are the last two on yeah. my list. I've been to all yeah. the others. So um, that's right. Cause definitely so cool would be so fine. Allegiant. Yeah. Um, is that it? Is that, will that knock it out? Um, well, yeah, that'll I'll go. I'll go for sure in the preseason. To the the Texans are playing Los Angeles Rams, in the preseason, yeah. so I'll see that one. And then are those the only two you haven't seen? Yeah, Vegas is because uh, what else is there? Yeah, I think Vegas. Are, I haven't those, been those to. Are mine, yeah, yeah, those. I've are seen mine. the Niners. I've and the Chargers play there, so it would. Yeah. Now I've been to yep. some stadiums that aren't with us anymore, like the Coliseum with the Rams, and yes, that soccer stadium with the Chargers, and. St. Louis, St. Louis, the TWA Dome, Oakland, the Coliseum was one of my favorite spots. It was just, I love the, I love the Coliseum, man. The, I'm, I'm, oh. San Diego. What was the name of San Diego's? Um, was it Jack Murphy well, still, or was it something used to else? Be Jack Murphy, but then they went to Qualcomm. Qualcomm. Yeah. That was a, Qualcomm. that was a fun old school, like seventies, eighties stadium. I like that one. And the yeah, Texans was won the one time I went. So yeah, I never yeah. went. That was one I never went to was Qualcomm or yeah. Jack Murphy. Um, my only my only time through San Diego was driving through it to get to L.A. last summer. And I wanted to get to L.A. and just get settled so I didn't stick around. I wanted to go eat down by the, the uh, water, and it was just packed. It yeah. was a, like 75 degrees like the day you would expect San Diego to be. And I was like, man, this must have been cool on a Monday night game because that's when I go walk the city and I go check things out, do that in the morning uh, before we get going for a night game. So that would have been kind of cool to be able to do that in San Diego. But. Metrodome. Oh, well, I went to the Metrodome so and the, the new one in Minnesota. I yeah, worked a lot Minnesota's. of games way back in the 2000s at Texas Stadium. I, I covered yeah, a lot Texas of high school Stadium. games. Never went there. It was a, it was a cool stadium. It was a cool Never went stadium. there. Would have liked yeah. to have gone there. But I, I, I know I shouldn't say this because of what we mentioned earlier about how Texans fans hate the Cowboys. And I, and I, I, I don't – I hate the Cowboys, but I don't hate the Cowboys. Right. But I love AT and T. It's a cool stadium. I love I love the view from the press box, down on the sidelines. It's just I, I don't know. I, I love everything. I love everything about that place. They nailed I it. I really like it. Yeah, it's a good. It's really cool. And you get all that in 2022. It's amazing. Crammed in there. I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong with any of those choices. I mean, Denver's a cool trip too. Yeah, Denver's you know? a great trip. Yep. Yeah, it's a good one. All those trips we have taken before. Well, I say we. Uh, we've all. The Chicago is the one that not a lot of people took in 2020. I took it. There was not a fan in the stands in that game, and that was weird in Chicago. But we're taking that trip to Chicago this year. Las Vegas is one we've never taken. Well, Drew just took it to the draft, but we've never taken it as a team because now we're facing the Raiders uh, in their home. Now, we were supposed to go there in 2016. No, is that a, Yeah, we were supposed to go to the Raiders in Oakland in 16, but we did not because we ended up going to Mexico City. So we are now going to the Raiders in 2022 and facing them in Las Vegas. So take your pick of games, man. There are a lot of them on the road that are great trips. And that Denver one, sneaky good trip up in Denver. September 25th, hopefully we'll get some good weather. And September 25th, that's uh, Harris the Senior and Mom's anniversary. So hopefully the Texans will give Harris the Senior and Mom's little anniversary gift on September 25th, way off in the distance. Speaking of way off in the distance, Brian Peters, once upon a time, joined the Texans, I believe it was 2015. His career, three or four years, was awesome. I loved having that guy around the building. Captain America joins us next for a little Where Are They Now?
right here. On Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Going to be taking you through the next few nights as Mark is out and about doing some managerial type stuff for the next couple of days. Plus, the General's out tomorrow, so we're going to have DP City step in. It's going to be fun to catch up with her. Actually, because I'm over at the stadium, they're at a different place. I haven't had a chance to see DP a whole lot, talk to her this morning for the first time in a long time, so I'm looking forward to having her on the radio on Thursday with me. We'll also have a Where Are They Now? Plus, we will have Mark, but it'll be recorded as he caught up with Randy McAvoy, which would be kind of fun, uh, from KPRC Channel 2. They had a nice uh, little discussion I don't want to ruin too much of it, but it's going to be fun. And it's about Randy and what he, uh, how he got to where he is at Channel 2, what he does. It's, it's really some fun stuff. So Mark and Randy also tomorrow, uh, but just in a recorded capacity. So let's get to that where are they now ITs coming into this segment. And that is with former linebacker and special team star Brian Peters, one of my favorite guys that's walked through this building. I don't think I ever walked down the hallway without him saying something snarky, a little, you know, kind of needle you a little bit, but you could always give it back to him. He always had a smile. He was a tremendous teammate, professional. This is a fun discussion with Drew Doherty. Drew, take it away. There are many Houston Texans, but there aren't many like this guy, Brian Peters, one of my favorite all-time players for my favorite football team and yours. So Brian played linebacker here for about four or five years. And first things first, what are you doing now? Where are you? What's up? Uh, I'm in the exotic beaches of Columbus, Ohio. But um, I'm doing a little bit of everything. I'm lifting, living, and learning. But uh, I'm, I'm a performance consultant now. I consult on breath work and mental skills, a little bit of heat and cold exposure um, for pro athletes, co- college athletes, and one-on-one kind of thing, just by select basis. But uh, it's been super fun to dive into that and learn. Like I've, I was obviously into those kind of things when I was playing. Yeah. And then I was able to translate it into the business world. And then everything keeps me active, learning and lifting. I, I competed in my first powerlifting meet two weeks ago. I do some jujitsu. I, I stay competitive uh, where I can fit it in. And then, yeah, then I, outside of that, I just, uh, I do a little bit of everything to stay busy. I love it. There's, there's a lot to cover right there. But how'd the event go? How'd the, the competition that you just took part in go for you? Good. The powerlifting's fun. I, uh, I fell into a like transitioning from football, I needed some structure and I fell into this uh, powerlifting group here in Columbus out at old school gym where we train at four in the morning. So uh, wow. that, stru- that structure was medicine for me. I was able to get me competitive, competing with myself under heavy weight all the time. And then it translated. I ended up, uh, I deadlifted 606, squatted 562. And then my bench, uh, I got red lighted a couple of times. On- but anyways, wait, 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 what is red lighting? What's that all about? So like uh, the, the basis, the basis of powerlifting, like the competitions is it's all form based. Obviously it's like depth yeah. and a listening to intention. So you like, got to like stabilize the weight before you can squat. And the same thing when you uh, complete the squat bench, you got to stabilize it. And then it's the bench press and powerlifting. You basically have to pause for an extent. It's almost two seconds. So like, you have to be able to control uh, the weight. But so I actually got red lighted because like I was wearing wrist wraps and I, there's like a stretchy elastic thing where you use it, you can't use it. But most of the guys I train with do it during training. So I didn't know any better. So it was a learning experience. But I wrapped my thumb and didn't give me any competitive advantage. But they red lighted me on my best lift of the day. So my bench was like under par for what I wanted. But uh, well, why didn't they just say before you were getting on the way, like, hey, you can't use that? Like what? How did yeah. that, that not come up? 
it was just, it was one pretty uh, tedious judge. The other judges were like, I would have never, I would have gave you a warning, done something, but some, this guy red lighted me. Some people like our, the powerlifting group kind of has a little uh, reputation too. So they look for any excuse to come after the boys. 4 a.m. Why 4 a.m.? It's more of a separator for his group of people. His name's Corey Gregory, who owns and runs the gym. See who's um, committed, basically. Yeah, basically, like, uh, if you're committed, like, you're not going to be out boozing or uh, yeah. staying up late doing things. Like, it, it's it, they used to do it at, like, 7 a.m., 6 a.m., 5 a.m., and then, like, once 4 a.m. struck, like, only the dog showed up, and it turned into a really cool, uh, really cool thing. They had, like, they're a bunch of the smaller powerlifters. They hit, like, the um, – I can't, it's like 161 to 198 weight classes and they have a couple world records in the group, uh, and the RPS training method. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really competitive group, like pound for pound. These boys are, are strong. Now and, I've uh, seen power lifters and there's, there's some absolute monsters. You're a, you're a big guy. I think somebody were describing you. Hey, he's a big guy, but are you one of the bigger ones? Were you one of the smaller? Where do you, where do you fall in that, that structure of, of that group? I'm I'm still pretty at my pretty much at my playing weight around 235, but okay. um, like I'm a I'm definitely like a longer lever guy, not really built for powerlifting. Obviously, you've you've seen some of like the big bellies, big yeah. bodies, big necks that fall in powerlifting. Um, excuse me, but uh, yeah, like I I'm still like one of the heavier weight class guys mm-hmm. with us. I'm between like the 220, 242 weight classes kind of deal. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it's more like I could I could care less about um my look in the powerlifting world because like when, when it comes down to it like when you get under a heavy bar or any like risk you want to take in your life like it's like you have that self-talk where it's like I'm gonna get buried or I'm gonna grow it's like a coin flip of like success and failure and that motivated me massively and like just getting a dose of that every morning um was literally medicinal for me it reminded me of football it's like doing one-on-ones and things like that like like, are you up to the, like, are you up to the, um, opportunity? Are you up to the challenge? And, uh, yeah, then I, I just kept doing it. I've been doing it with them a little over a year, year and a half now. Um, I'm going to get into a bunch of crazier stuff here coming up, not powerlifting. Um, so oh. I'll, I'll phase a little away from that. Yeah. Like. Also, I'm doing, I'm doing a 50, I'm doing a 50 mile ruck, um, on Memorial day. A um, ruck where you have the backpack, like a, like a soldier basically. Yeah. 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 And then, so we're doing 50 miles around Washington, DC. We're starting at uh, the veterans hospital and then ending in Arlington national cemetery, supporting the group, the 50 for the fallen is the charity. um, Mm -hmm. But it's put on by the special forces trust. So um, some of my coaching has stemmed into that world and uh, the optimal performance and controlling your state is, is military and they do it at a much higher stake than athletes do. So I've been gravitating towards them and their stories and, um, their recovery from uh, serving and things like that. So it's been that uh, just kind of where my life's gone. That's awesome, man. You know, yeah. and when you were with the Texans, you were kind of starting to get into the the cold tub plunging, and I don't. That's probably the wrong word for it, but that's that stuff. You were, you you mentioned your breathing mechanics and all that. That's incredibly important, especially for snipers. You brought up special special forces and whatnot, but you're you're applying that to everyone, you know, because I don't think the general public understands and appreciates the importance of proper breathing and, and breathing exercises, right? No, not even close. And it's just something that it's kind of just like a missing pillar in human performance, not even like athletic performance. Right. Um, a lot of like, so my doctor sends me some cases that like people can't solve with medicine or things like that. And then 
breathing ends up helping everybody. It's all just like the base root of human existence. And you can prioritize it how you want, but like every other resource our, our body needs, water, food, other things Like you can survive days without water, weeks without food, all those kind of things. But like three minutes without oxygen, like Good. it's important. And then like every breath helps or hurts you. What body part are you breathing in and out of? Um, is the oxygen getting absorbed? Are you over breathing? So if you're over breathing, your veins and arteries are getting smaller. So you're getting worse oxygenation, like all these compounding things. Are you sleep, sleeping with your mouth open? Um, so does your tongue fall back? And then are you in a sympathetic state when you're sleeping? So you wake up to use the bathroom or wake up with a dry mouth and all these things, they deteriorate your sleep. And if you can't sleep right, you're not going to perform right mentally, physically, anything yeah. emotionally. Like, so um, my whole thing is uh, getting people out of that sympathetic state, that anxious state that we live in because we're overstimulated or stressed out or anxious or anything like that. And uh, it's just kind of how the whole my breathing evolved into everybody gen pop and it like what we teach and what I coach and things like that are just like base, very simple things that have simple compound effect. Like, yeah, we can improve VO two max and um, push off the delay set of lactic acid and things like that for athletes and help them recover in between plays or uh, shifts on the ice or anything like that. But like every human should adopt breath work or at least an awareness of their understanding because now like you can feel when you're out of control and when like your physiology is out of control, your mind regresses, you actually lose blood in the brief prefrontal cortex. It's like, I want to maintain my wits and my problem solving my communication skills as much as possible, but I really just want control. So like if I, like, any human wants control, we have a negativity bias in our psychology. So like, what can I do? And like the simplest thing, the lowest hanging fruit is the breath work stuff. And it's a, uh, simply you can calm yourself down and rush hour traffic or before you public speak or anything. It's just, uh, it's simple and significant. When did you start taking an interest in that? Because I know it for sure. It was when you were with the Texans, but how, how long before that did this, does all get going for you? No, it was around 2015 when it, like okay. it was it opened my eyes. I solved my sleep problems by taping my mouth in 2016 when I was with the Texans. Really? Like we had the, we had the whoops and we had the gar They gave us the garments, I think in 16, and I was trying to be a pro and sleep nine hours. And it was saying I got five hours of sleep, six hours of sleep. So I was getting frustrated where like some of the wearables can cause stress because you, you do have a metric. But um, so I started taping my mouth shut and that like my sleep problems went away. And the research behind that now is dynamite. Like people that can adopt nasal breathing, which is the forced mouth, mouth closed, but mouth closed gives the tongue and those kind of things. But uh 70% of sleep apnea and wake-ups go down if you can learn to tape your mouth, like simple things. What um, do you tape? You just tape it with like regular tape or what do you do? Yeah, I mean, like you, you'd be surprised. So if you like Amazon uh, mouth tape for sleep, you, mm -hmm. it'll blow your mind how many products there are. But I use basic 3M tape and just go across my list. But some people think that's too rough. But uh, yeah, but things like that. And then, and then I started holding my breath in the sensory deprivation chamber that the Texans were sponsoring at the time. And uh, I noticed that my, like, cause we, we came into a scenario when Luke Richardson took over as a strength coach and we weren't running for the first month. So we were up our uh, functional movement, like our mobility, core strength, those things like that. And um, I got really into breathing then. I was holding my breath like over three minutes at that point. Cause I, I was doing uh, free diving protocols and uh, Wim Hof and things like that. Just, I was just curious. I, I had no structure to it um, mm -hmm. or didn't understand the tool. But uh, when we did come back to running, like I was less winded than everybody else. I was running better as far as conditioning goes. I was like, all right, there's something here. 
And then I had a buddy in Minnesota that was uh, using breath work for mental skills at the time for baseball players and hockey players. And we kind of, we ended up making a company around it that I started while I was playing and then um, it's grown since, but yeah, it's just, uh, that's how it grew. But so I, I was like the guinea pig, like performance enhancing side of things. And he was the mental skills. And then we kind of merged both worlds and created this company, the MindStrong Project. Well, it was really fun because whenever I kind of caught you in the cafeteria, I would sort of hold you up and be like, well, listen, I'm swimming. And what about that? And I would always pick your brain about these things. So it's always been fascinating to me. You know, I, I get the, the secondhand information. So uh, it's helped me out. I can say yeah. uh, I can speak from example, but let's talk a little football. You have one of the, the most unique stories. You were a great player at Northwestern, mainly a safety, right? And then yep. you kind of checked all the boxes of every professional league there is, it seems. You were really good uh, in the CFL. You helped win a gray cup. You, you gobbled up tackles. You know, I mean, you're, you're outstanding on defense, on special teams. You come to the Texans, though. How did you get to Houston? Tell, tell that story because it's a fascinating one in my mind. Yeah, it's a saga, if anything. <laughs> it's uh um it, it started like I I was all Big Ten in college, led the Big Ten interceptions, thought I had a chance, got no calls on draft day, it was probably too slow or something along those lines, um, or wasn't polished enough, whatever it was. Um, went to some mini camp workouts for the Bucks and the Bears and competed against draft picks and held my own. So that was where it kind of got planted that I could play. And uh, so I was willing to do whatever. And half of my motivation was to avoid the real world and never get a nine to five kind of deal. Um, <laughs> but I knew I could play. So just how it worked out, the only the only chance to play football was arena football to like stay in shape in case they needed bodies and training camp for NFL. So I went out there, thought I was on the team when I showed up, but it was like a 13 man tryout for two positions. Was lucky enough to make the team um, left there after like four weeks. Um, was working three jobs in Chicago. Uh, got what were the three jobs? What were the three jobs? Uh, dude. <laughs> so I was working, uh, demolition, uh, personal training. And then I was basically like babysitting some of like the, uh, <laughs> hockey players, kids that I, I trained with. Really? Uh, yeah. Craziness. And, uh, but it, it paid off. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm very grateful for that kind of time in my life. It gave me some perspective. And then I, I trained myself at ni- or nine, 10 PM at night at this like old school boxing gym, downtown Chicago. Um, and then like wake up and do it all over again. And then, but I got a tryout with the UFL, got asked to training camp with them and uh, was doing really well with the Omaha Nighthawks and then got cut when all the NFL had their cuts. So they took all the NFL guys that got cut, cut me. My agent was kind of wishy-washy and was, didn't want me to go to Canada cause you had to sign a two year deal. And he didn't said nobody was responding. I emailed all the CFL and NFL people like my tape and like an email saying, I'll work my butt off for you kind of deal. The only team that responded to me was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, so I went up there on practice squad uh, for three weeks and the season to sign a two-year contract for the next two years, 14, 15 or 13 or yeah, 13 and 14. And uh, anyway, so came home, actually got jumped at a bar, broke my jaw. Um, was wired shut for seven weeks, uh, liquid diet, learned how to train and like protect the dream at that point. Cause at one point how my mandibles healed, um, they didn't want me potentially playing football again. So like that was another wake up call to me to grow up and learn and learn and learn. And that's where I learned how to train properly, learn how to, uh, and I was actually switching linebacker this time. So while I was wired shut, I actually, I lost 20 pounds and I ended up gaining 25 
and learned how, and I was twice as strong, uh, went back to Northwestern's pro day, ran faster, jumped higher, jumped farther, those kind of things. Went to Canada, had uh, actually got cut in Canada and put on their P squad for a few years. Um, got activated and balled on special teams the first year, special teams and defense the next year. That first year we won the Great Cup, which was an incredible experience. Then as I was coming out of uh, the CFL, the teams were hitting my uh, team up because they didn't really know who my agent was because they didn't communicate with them um, a lot. So anyways, got some workouts. Through the workouts, I found out I had a blood condition that was going to prevent me from playing football or signing a contract. Had to solve that deal, solve that deal, eventually signed with the Vikings. Had a great uh, preseason with them, One, uh, incredible locker room, great people up there. Had two interceptions in the preseason, got put on P-Squad. Then I got put in this decision point week three, I think it was. Um, Texans wanted to, uh, like John Simon was down here vouching for me with Braves and OB. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you guys were both Ohio boys. Yeah. But we had, we had trained together for two years at Ohio State. I was living in Columbus, and my buddy Zach Bourne, who actually was with the Texans for an offseason, um, uh, got me into training with Ohio State NFL Group, which is a massive blessing for me. Anthony Schlegel was an assistant strength coach and oh, wow. asked me to join them if I wanted to, and it was huge because I had no money and needed, needed to train and uh, met some dogs and learned how to work there too. So it just translated really well. Um, but so I had a, a decision point where the Vikings were offering me full guaranteed salary, like active salary, like $440,000 at the time, whatever it was, uh, for the rest of the year. And they'll promise to get me up or that I go for the Texans, uh, for three games active, um, and kind of bet on myself and ended up, uh, having a, a few cool conversations with, over uh, at the airport, deciding to whether or not to get on the plane. And one, one of my buddies, uh, was talking to me and he's like, you, uh, you played what three years in three different leagues, uh, to play in the NFL, not practice in the NFL. I go, yeah, you're, you're freaking right. Let's ride. So I hopped on the plane. Which friend was that by the way? Dan Percy is my quarterback in college. Okay. Yeah. But so, uh, that's, that's the saga. Then I showed up to Houston and just, uh, play with my hair on fire on special teams and, uh, took over that role and did what I could while I was there. And, uh, I kind of left on a little bit of an injured season in 18, but uh, yeah, that was my career. Well, let's uh, you're being very humble there because you had a good, you were one of the best special teams players in, in team history. I mean, you're, you're really one of the best Texans on special teams of all time. Tell me about that first game when you actually did get in the game and it was a regular season contest. Did you take just a teeny tiny second to appreciate what was going on or was it all business? Just focus on that. What was it like for you? Yeah, I mean, I was playing hungry for sure. And uh, Brian Gain at the time had reminded me, like, before the game that, like, I'm on a three-week three, three week contract um, and I need to produce. So, um, yeah, I, I was playing super hungry. I, I was dialed, but, like, I, I was very grateful, and I think I appreciated the NFL just because of the path I took. Um, but I actually made the first tackle on my first kickoff, um, so that kind of got everything out of the way. And uh, after that, had a really good first season down there. Was that the – Bengals game Monday night yeah, football. That was that, that was that year, and that was perfect for me because it was at uh, in Cincinnati, which is an hour and a half from my home. So uh-huh. I might have had sixty people there, and probably had one of my better special teams games, a couple big hits. So it was just a uh, that was a that was a fun game. Damn right, that was a fun game. That's one of my favorite games of all time in the Texas 2015 Monday night at Cincinnati. The Bengals undefeated. Thought they were gonna roll, but no. The Texans' defense dropped the hammer. DeAndre made that catch in the end zone. 
Man, that was such a fun night. Team sitting at three and five against a team that was eight and zero. Knocked them off to go to four and five, and then got a little bit of run. Won the division, and Brian Peters was a big, big part of that. All right, we get back. We'll go around the league and wrap this up on a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. Next, Texans All Access. Next, Texans All Access. Next. We got one final segment of this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access right here on Sports Radio 610 and on the app. Hopefully, you're getting it on the app, Houston Texans app, which is awesome. So, download that app. There's so much you can get on the app. So, make sure you have that with you. And, of course, when the season is here, you can get tickets and you, everything through the app. I'm telling you, the ticket situation last year was so easy. I didn't get a chance to use my tickets a lot because my family was in Los Angeles. So, uh, somebody would, you know, I would give him the Drew. Drew would be like, hey, man, you use your tickets? I'd be like, yeah, cool. Boom. Click, click, click. Boom. Done. It's easy. Get the app. Put it on your phone and be ready to roll. News around the NFL. This one has got a little bit of Texans connections, and that's James Bradbury, corner, formerly of the New York football giants. He was released last week, and then a story came out a day or two later saying the Texans had actually been trying to make a trade for James Bradbury, but... They couldn't come to an agreement on a deal. Well, the team did, and that was fed off the Eagles. The Eagles offered Bradbury a one-year $10 million deal. And as soon as I saw that he had accepted that, I realized, okay, I get what happened here. The Texans probably wanted Bradbury a couple years, three years maybe. Bradbury wanted a one-year prove-it deal so he could then break the bank, if you will. After that prove-it deal, he's 30 years old, and he's betting on himself. I've seen it happen before, and it works. A.J. Boye, I've seen before, and it not work. So, James Bradbury betting on himself, but going to a Giants rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, and he takes a one-year, $10 million contract to do it. This one was brutal. Tariq Cohen, Bears running back, tore his ACL last year and was doing a live workout on Instagram Live. And he tore his Achilles tendon. And my, my heart sank. I wasn't watching it, but people were tweeting it immediately. I thought, oh, I mean, just sank. So I hate that for Tariq Cohen. He's one of the more exciting players in the league. Uh, just a gut punch for the Bears running back, Tariq Cohen. The Jets, they signed Garrett Wilson, their first rounder. So first rounder is getting signed. Actually, Texans have both of them signed here in Houston. That's a good thing. And that is the end of the show, and that's not a great thing. But we'll be back tomorrow with a lot more. Big thanks to Brian Peters, to Drew Doherty, to all of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow, and as always, go Texans.